What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting edition of your favorite premier sports podcast, the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, coming to you a day early with my infamous half-man, half-amazing co-host, Drew. What's up, buddy? How's everything going? Hey, Buckets. Everything is good on my end. It's a beautiful day in paradise here in North Mississippi. Uh just holding down the fort, you know, a pretty slow week so far, which given the last few weeks is a welcome surprise. No storms, no crazy weather, nothing. No, not this week, but now that I've said it, just brace yourselves. <laughs> Go ahead and board up your windows now. Tippa County, you are welcome. You just don't know how good you have it, having the Power Ranger team that you have protecting your ability to watch your shows or your Jeopardy or whatever <laughs> it is you tune into on a regular basis. Power Rangers have your back. We got a good bunch of Power Rangers, <laughs> myself not included. <laughs> now nah, you're the head, you're the head Power Ranger man. <laughs> Whatever it was that was that the white or the red, whichever one was the leader. I don't remember. I, I was thinking of the little elf looking guy in the in the uh, headquarters, you know, that always <laughs> made the crazy noises. That's probably uh-huh. me. You That's know, true. The, guy, you the sit- guy at headquarters. I'm the man in the chair. That's you know? it. You're sitting in the chair, pulling the levers, pushing the buttons, and and yeah. playing bop it, right? Yeah, I always laugh uh, in the first Spider-Man movie that was in the MCU. The uh, is that Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, the one, first one with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Uh, his buddy always said he wanted to be the guy in the chair. You know, let me be the guy in the chair, and so that's what I call myself. I'm the guy in the chair. You know, with all the buttons. That's it, little kids. If you're listening to this and you're sitting at home wondering what you want to be when you grow up, be the guy in the chair. Yeah, absolutely. Great fun. Yeah. Well, Drew, I, uh, you know, summer coming in and getting hot and spending more time on the beach, I have decided to start with the majority of soccer moms and middle-aged women across the globe. Don't tell me yoga. No. Do I look like yoga? (laughs) Seltzers? Is it seltzers? No. Um, uh, Yoga pants? Already been Art. wearing those, man. You're oh, behind okay. the eight ball there. All right. <laughs> Bell bottoms. Close. <laughs> I have started Weight Watchers. And it's an easy way to try to keep up with some points and lose some weight, get my tubby self in shape so I can sit on the beach and, and look good, I guess, out there baking. But in honor of that and the foods that I'm going to miss tremendously, I guess I could have them, but I'd hate to know how many points they are. I thought tonight we would do we we'd bring the draft back because we enjoy doing those. We had some good responses on that, and so tonight we are going to draft our favorite foods that are fried. Whatever foods mm-hmm. get better when they're fried, you know your favorite fried treats. And there's plenty of options out there. I was making my list earlier today, and I'm like, man, I need Weight Watchers bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, talking about fried food will make you realize how badly you need to be on a diet. And I, I say you, not as in you, Rusty, as you as in uh, the population, the collective you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so how are we going to determine who gets the first pick here? Well, I know we had talked about maybe doing it all fair, but we got in a hurry tonight getting started, so we didn't get to do that. We could do a rock, paper, scissors here for our YouTube video uh, viewers, and if you're listening, you just yeah. got to hang on. All right. Yeah, we'll narrate we'll it for you. We'll call uh, it out. Uh Two out of three, right? Two out of three. On, you call on it. shoot. Yep. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Tied. Tied. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Tied. <laughs> Both paper. 
rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Is that a gun? <laughs> it was a gun. I meant to repeat scissors. <laughs> I think I, he, he threw a gun. I think I lose. <laughs> what did you put up? I put up paper. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, my intentions were pure. <laughs> it's just, I'm in a weird angle with this boom mic here. All right, let me come around. One nothing. Right, Uncle you got one. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You got two. two. No, back to back. Scissors beat paper. Yep. And gun. All right. So you get the first pick. We'll do it snake style. So you'll get a pick. Then I'll get two and we'll go through our favorite fried foods. So you are on the clock, sir. Yeah. Well, this is easy. There's a clear 101. There is uh, a superior food that is fried amongst all others. And then the competition really starts at two, at number two. And the number one is chicken. Yes. Fried chicken. Yeah, they've made whole restaurants around it. You've got Popeyes, you've got KFC, and nobody does it as good as your mother. Everybody says it. Their mama makes the best fried chicken. I agree with that yeah. statement because my mama does. And uh, you just—it's the best way to eat chicken, and it is uh, the best fried food there is, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of easy. It's just like when we did the the draft of sporting events, whoever got one got the Super Bowl. You get one here, you get chicken. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's natural. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, you're up, Bucket. You got back-to-back picks here. So my first one is, is very niche, and I own that. But I think most people will agree with this. If you grew up in the South like we did, especially if you grew up in cities that had fairs or had – carnivals or had things that came to town with questionable rides and and music and whatnot then you had a funnel cake yeah it's on my Fried cake is the only thing better than regular cake and if you haven't had a funnel cake and a fried funnel cake full of confection and sugar on top then wilford brimley is shaking that delicious mustache at you from heaven <laughs> judging you because you have not had the diabetes cake but funnel right. cake is a solid first pick yeah, I mean, if you say so yourself, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'm proud of that one. I'm proud of my funnel cake pick. All right. What's um, your you guess? Number two, I am a fan of all things seafood. And the only thing, only way I think you can make shrimp better is by frying it. I love some good boiled shrimp. I like peel and eat, but some good fried shrimp, whether that's on a taco or with French fries or just in a meal of itself. Fried shrimp is a solid, solid way to consume it. So fr- shrimp gets better when it's fried. Yeah, see, I disagree with you. I think I would rather eat a different type of fish than eat fried f- shrimp. I like fried shrimp, but as far as shrimp goes, any other way is better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah. Fried shrimp's hard to beat, especially like uh, what's that? That coconut shrimp with the uh, with the dipping sauce, and it can be you can church it up, and make it good. I mean, popcorn shrimp's one thing, but a full butterfly shrimp, a large butterfly shrimp, I don't want it fried. I want it, uh, I want it grilled or boiled. That's fair. Black and Zatarans, right? Yeah. Black and yeah. So. All right, good. I I love my list. I've got one pick, and mine's better than your two. <laughs> Disagree. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I got the next turn here, and I am going to go with mozzarella sticks. Ooh. Um, mozzarella sticks are great because the worst mozzarella stick is still solid, and the best mozzarella stick is heavenly. Rusty, we used to go to Smith in Corinth. Rest in peace to our R. favorite R. 
bar and grill in North Mississippi. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, we used to go get trash wings, and when they first opened up, they did mozzarella sticks that you had to serve on a plate because you couldn't pick them up. It was like a whole, it's like a stick of butter's worth of cheese. Oh, my gosh. Crusted to a perfect golden brown perfection, and you had to eat it with a fork, and it was beautiful. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was the size of like a regulation hot dog. Like, with bun and all. <laughs> a Nathan's hot dog, yes. Yeah, bun and all. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, with my next pick, I'm going to go sweet. And uh, you took funnel cakes. It was on my list. But given the option to have what I'm about to pick or a funnel cake, funnel cakes would cease to exist. And those are fried pies. Oh, that was on my list. Uh, yeah. So, I'm taking them all because a fried pie is is – it's you know it's like a hamburger. You can have a thousand different hamburgers. You can have a thousand different fried pies. Yep. The superior 101 of fried pies is chocolate, a fried Ooh. chocolate pie. But I love apple, I love peach, I love other stuff that I haven't tried yet because you <laughs> cannot ruin a fried pie. My no. great grandmother had a recipe that we thought died with her. She had the best fried chocolate pies. The chocolate mm. for some reason was kind of gritty. And it was great. And when she died, we thought it was gone. And then uh, about a couple of years ago, my aunt sent a message out to the whole family in a group message. Says I've cracked the code. And now every time we go to my aunt's house, we've got Ma's fried chocolate pies. Yeah, yeah. I had a uh, a Hispanic patient that used to bring me empanadas, which is similar. It's just a fried right. filling. It's just a different right. take on it. But yeah, blackberries, apple, peach, chocolate, Ooh, matters not, all of them uh-huh. are absolute bangers. Absolutely. Right. All right. Well, good. So, uh, so far, I have got chicken, fried pies, and mozzarella sticks, which Solid is like best. a perfect three-course meal. And you, <laughs> you have got uh, fried shrimp and funnel cakes. Yep. So it's your pick. You get two more. So I'm going appetizer with my next one. And especially at Cafe Mike's in Corinth, Mississippi, if you know, you know, fried no. pickles. You've, pickles. You've, you're behind, man. They went to the chips. I know, man. I was just about to say that, man. Because yeah. last time I was home, we got them and they were chips. They used to do the spears. And that's when they were just immaculate. Like, they were perfectly done. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mikey, if you listen to this, we missed those. But they were the perfect spear. They fried them in a whole, like I said, a quartered spear instead of the chips like most people do. They had their own little house-made ranch. It was so good. And the seasoning was perfect. Fried pickles would be my next pick, man. And they are uh, – you never can go wrong with fried pickles as an appetizer, whether you're going to eat seafood, if you're going to eat a sandwich, if you're eating at the dinner bell. It doesn't matter. They're in Corinth. It doesn't matter where you're eating at. Fried pickles are the one-of-one for an appetizer, no doubt. All right, hit us with your next pick. Next up, after fried pickles, I got a lot here. Um, But my next one, I'm going to go potatoes. And that encapsulates all fried potatoes, whether that's tater tots, whether that's french fries, whether that's home fries, or JoJo's, as we call them back home in Mississippi, which are the big potato wedges. It matters not. Hash browns. The only way, like baked potatoes are fine. Mashed potatoes with plenty of butter and garlic are fine. But if you fry a potato, you've hit a home run. So give me all the fried potatoes. That's a solid pick because of the sheer breadth of it. I had French fries on here, and so I'm glad you took 
you you went a step ahead and you slurped me and took all of the potatoes because the superior and those are not the superior one don't hear what i'm not saying the superior fried potato is just your grandma's sliced yes and thrown in the fried Fryer Especially because Mimi would do it. Yeah. Mimi would do it in this grease that she'd already cooked, either fried pork chops or ribs or whatever. And then she'd throw onion and and thin sliced potatoes in there, almost making like home fries like or, or something. Yeah. Oh uh-huh. my gosh, ain't good yeah. for you, but boy, was it good. <laughs> oh, my grandma would cut those suckers up and fry them in a skillet and put so much salt on that that's all you tasted. That's it. And so and uh, we and usually have incredible. We'd have them all the time, but one of my favorite meals was uh, she'd make salmon cakes and home fries. Oh, yeah. And I would just dominate that. <laughs> and in Mississippi, those are called salmon patties. That's it, salmon <laughs> patties. <laughs> we ain't fancy down there. Man, there may be some salmon in it, but it's canned salmon, you know, that fake yeah. fake fish. So. And saltine crackers stuffed with seasoning. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to have to look at my list here. Um You've got two picks, and I've got one left. Okay. So I've got two picks. Um, we're going to go with another carnival favorite here and take the fried Oreo. Oh, yeah, it was on my list. Uh, the fried Oreo solid. I like – you know how I am with food. I like the portability of food, and a fried Oreo is a superior food when it comes to portability. And my last pick – is one of my favorite appetizers to get anywhere and it is fried ravioli you ever had fried ravioli oh yeah Uh, my wife loves fried ravioli and so if you can get some fried ravioli with a side of marinara sauce or some sort of spicy italian sauce it is elite yeah, hard to argue with that. You just got to give it a minute because it will melt all of your teeth when it first comes to the table. Yeah, you cannot place directly on your tongue right out of the kitchen. It, you will not taste anything else for the rest of the week. Mm-mm. Like I said, you might lose a molar or two as it just liquefies your teeth because it's so hot. But that's a price we pay. So, Drew, you got a solid list going. I'm, I'm a fan of your list. You want to run us through it real quick? Yeah, so I've got... I've got fried Oreos, I've got fried pies, I've got fried ravioli, fried, uh, what was my first pick? Fried chicken. chicken. Yeah. Uh, the goat. Yeah. Is that everything? Let me, hold and on. And mozzarella sticks was your And fit. mozzarella sticks, yeah. Solid, but. solid lineup there. Uh, sounds like a recipe for a upset stomach, but it's a solid Man, list. Upset cardiologist. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I've got funnel cakes, I've got fried shrimp, I've got fried pickles, I've got fried potatoes. Oh, and there's so many ways I could go with this. Um, I think I'm going to stay true to my southern roots uh, in, a, in a niche market. My grandmother makes this with every meal. She always has a bag on hand, frozen in the freezer, no matter if we're making spaghetti, if we're having breakfast, if we're having fried chicken. She's going to take a handful of okra. She's going to bread it up. She's going to fry it up. And I don't care if you don't even like okra pods because they can be slimy. Me personally love boiled okra. Great. But if you don't care for boiled okra, you will crush fried okra. Yeah. Uh, Fried catfish was right there for you to take. It was. It was was on my list. Yeah, I mean, I could have taken it too, but all my foods are better than fried catfish, and you took okra and 
fried shrimp, which are both not as good as fried catfish. Disagreement. I do love some fried catfish. That's probably like my honorable mention number one. Honestly, when I'm looking at my list, I was between fried mushrooms, fried okra, and fried catfish. So those would be my honorable mention. If you said fried mushrooms, I'd have logged off this call right now. (laughs) Especially if they're uh, breaded in mayonnaise, right? (laughs) Okay, now I am getting off the call. (laughs) that's That's too far. Well... I'm proud of my list. We'll post it onto our Instagram page and see what our fans think over the next couple of days. But again, I had funnel cakes, fried shrimp, fried pickles, fried potatoes, and any variety, fried okra. And I had fried uh, chicken, fried mozzarella sticks, fried pies, fried Oreos, and fried raviolis raviolis i'm so bad i know i, I don't know why i don't write these down yeah so my back's getting tired i'm carrying this podcast tonight sir well <laughs> good thing you got a big back i guess so <laughs> <laughs> all right so. moving right along i posed a question to our faithful followers out followers out there on instagram and i asked what in your opinion is the most iconic or best trophy in sports? I have my opinion. Drew, I'm curious yours, and then we'll dive into our faithful listeners. Because it was. You want to do our opinions first, or? Well, we can uh, do our. Go, well, let's, let's give let's give the uh, the listeners and the the Instagram followers the satisfaction of letting them have their answers be told fair. first. The first one I got on my personal Instagram was a participation trophy, which is wrong. Uh, tell me, tell, so many who levels. did it? Who did Alicia, it? one of my, my former coworkers, she's moving back to Texas. Alicia, if you're listening to this, just know that we're messing with Texas and we win because that's a terrible choice. Yeah, that's awful. <clears throat> On our Two Buck Sports podcast, it was almost unanimous. We had one vote for the BCS National Championship, Crystal Ball. Oh, uh, that's a great balls, trophy. A1. Per cousin Kirk, solid choice. That's what he said. He was the BCS. BCS national championship crystal ball. It's steak sauce. A one. Uh huh. I agree. I I mean, I I agree. It's great, but it's not number one for me. It doesn't fit my criteria for a trophy. We'll get into that in a minute. Our our listeners are smart. Our our followers, our fans are smart because we had a unanimous choice of Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah. By Bowen, Kayla. Uh, Brent Johnson, Aaron Corinth, and Aaron Tim Buren up in Boston. It was a unanimous Stanley Cup trophy, which is a well, solid, solid pick. I feel like I need to clarify with you what unanimous means. But the fact that Kirk said BCS <laughs> National Championship Everyone game, else was unanimous that disqualifies the unanimous. <laughs> so, no, overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming, that's the word I'm looking for. Is Lord Stanley's Cup. And I think if I were to pick one... Like that was the first thing that popped in my mind, mm-hmm. and really, it's awesome. It looks awesome, but what t- makes it so cool to me is that there's only one of them, mm-hmm. and you have to physically take the Stanley Cup away from the reigning champion and give it to the new champion. There's no hall full of all of the Stanley's Stanley Cups that the Boston Bruins have won over the last hundred years, or you know. You don't get to have just a trophy case full of Stanley Cups. There's one. And when they run out of room to etch the names, they just add another layer on the bottom of that sucker, and they yep. keep going. 
And yep. so just the the finite, the individuality of the Stanley Cup is really what made me like the Stanley Cup more than any of them. I, I couldn't agree more. I love the tradition, and it's just cool, and it goes and so many, huge. It I is, love it, that it's but it massive. goes so many places. It was, it's been on golf courses, it's been on boats, it's been on mountaintops, it's been in hot tubs, like it's been everywhere, and right. it's massive. Right. For me, what makes a great trophy is the ability to hold a liquid that you can consume out of it. For instance, oh, yeah. the crystal ball college football trophy doesn't work. The World Series trophy, zero liquid holding skills. The right. League of Avengers Elite. football trophy Elite. holds liquid. I have consumed uh, a beverage <laughs> out of the top of it. But that's yeah. why, for me, my top two choices were either Stanley Cup oh. or what's cooler than pouring a beer into the claret jug. Oh, I was going to – I was hoping that would get back to me without you saying it. But the no, claret jug – for the Nothing British better Open. than pouring a cold bush light or drink of choice, Diet Coke, whatever you consume, <laughs> into the claret jug, pouring it down, drinking out of it like that. It, it looks like a pitcher. It, it's just an incredible moment to consume a beverage out of that trophy. You know, it's like if if the Stanley Cup is the bar, you know, the claret jug is like your individual growler. Mm. And it's perfectly <laughs> sized to where you can take it on the road with you and consume <laughs> a beverage. You know, uh, it's got a handle, which. Mm. All right. So as I get older, there's two or three things that I just love. It's pockets on shirts. Frockets. And uh, and cups with a handle. You know, <laughs> everybody's got those massive cups now. I don't have one that big. But like my coffee cups, I want it to have a handle. It's easy. What are you talking about? Why am I ho- using my whole hand to carry a drink when I can just use a couple fingers yeah. and then I've got a couple fingers to spare, you know, just to carry a pencil or some spare change or my car keys, you know, whatever. It's yep. all about functionality. And the Claret Jug is the perfectly functional yes. vessel for consuming liquids that you win at a golf at a at a sporting event. Absolutely, does like that you make can sense? Drink, <laughs> it does because you can drink off of other trophies, which is cool. Like doing you know pouring down the Lombardi Trophy, I'm sure is a cool thing. But consuming it from the trophy itself is like one of one. That's the that's the upper echelon of sports celebration. Miss me with the shoey. I don't want some sweaty shoey. No. Give me a Claret Jug beer all day long. No, and the Stanley Cup, whereas it is iconic and incredible. It is not easily movable for one person that's not a professional no. athlete. The Claret Jug, it's it's portable. It's yep. great. I, that You know what? I've taught myself into it. It's the best trophy of all, of all sports. There it is. So our listeners, excellent choice in the Stanley Cup. We're going with the Claret Jug for mobility's sake, if nothing yeah. else. Uh, worst uh, trophy are the plates that they give out at Wimbledon. But Yeah. You know. What are you going to do? Are you going to eat your fried chicken off of that? No. Like it's a terrible, terrible trophy. It is functional. That would be the most American thing is to just dominate a plate of fried chicken. Uh Right. You won. All right. Speaking of, we're going to move into a new favorite segment of our show, and it's called Can You Stump Drew? So I've got a series of 
trim, uh, trivia questions tonight. We'll kind of see how we do, how we're going through them. I know, uh, Drew, you may not be on your best game tonight, Mississippi allergy season or whatever is kind of kicking his butt tonight. This is like a, for our listeners, this is a Jordan flu game type. Yeah, it's, this is my flu game here. That. Mm-hmm. Right up there with that. Kobe Bryant, stomach virus, Michael Jordan flu. This is it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just here to entertain. And That's so it. the show must go on. That's it. So I'll give you a couple just – we'll start with an easy one first. Can you name the top five teams with the most college World Series championships? What's with all these list questions? I feel like all it's right. easier than – what do you mean? Just give you like, I've got two on here. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, are, we're good. No, who we're did good. this? Which we'll get to. Um, Texas. <clears throat> how many they got? They're number three. I'm just I'm just going to name them. I can't tell you how many. Their number three was six. Um, Louisiana State University. Number two was seven. Um, let's see. Uh, Technically, I've got seven here for you to choose from because there is a three-way tie. Okay. Um, uh, Florida. They've probably no, got not a top two. five. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Rice. Not in the top five. Cal State Fullerton. Number five with four in a three-way tie with two other teams. Okay. Um, I know some of these would probably just go back forever ago. One of uh, them does. One of them had one one since like 96. 96. Maybe even before that. Oklahoma State. No, the, not in the top uh, five. One of them, they won a bunch in the 70s. I have no idea. I'm just going to list off the powers. Two of them are from the same state, and one of them uh, was the last number one overall seed to win a national championship. Okay, we talked about this. Uh, Oregon State. Not in the top five. Uh, They weren't in the first, last number one overall seed. The last, it was in 2001. South Carolina. Nope, they've got two. This team has four. They play in Coral Gables. Oh, Miami. I would have gotten there on Miami. Uh, but I'm not going to make any excuses. So um, we got two from the same state, and then one that hasn't won. They won a bunch, and they won like six in a row in the 70s. Oh, good lord! I don't. Uh, is is Florida the state that's got two? If uh, I gave you the state, it'd give it away because it's the school yeah, and yeah. the state school. Right. Uh, I can give you a famous alum. Uh, let me think here. That's not uh, Vanderbilt. Nope, they've got two. Uh, um, LSU. Uh, it's not them. It's not Louisiana. I'm, I'm hung up. I'm you've hung got up one on SEC that. school, and then you've got uh, the the three teams you have left are in the same conference on the western coast of our of our great nation. Oh, USC and UCLA. So USC is number yeah. one with 12. UCLA is not in the top five. Oh, really? Um, so let's these were powerhouses back in the day. One of them Ole Miss had to beat after losing to them in a super regional. Arizona? Arizona has got four. Arizona, Cal yeah. State, Fullerton, and Miami are tied with four. Okay. And then we've got one more. So you got Arizona. Mm-hmm. Famous alums include Brooks Kepka, Barry Bonds. Arizona State. Arizona State has five. Dustin Pedroia. Dustin Pedroia. Mm-hmm. So, USC with 12, LSU with seven, Texas six, Arizona State five, Arizona, Cal State, Fullerton, and Miami with four. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a struggle. 
It was, yeah. No, we'll blame it on game. the cold. Yeah. We'll blame it on the cold. But speaking of Wimbledon, Mr. Tennis Player, can you name the top five champions with the people with the top five men with Wimbledon champions in the open era? So more Just recent. Wimbledon? Just Wimbledon. Oh, okay. Since Wimbledon's going on, we you know there's the there was the open era and there was the amateur era back in the 20s. I don't expect you to know any yeah, of those. No, but I picked. They're um, all recent. You should be able to get probably yeah. easily four to the five. Okay, so you've got Federer, who's got the most. Number one with eight. Yeah, um, Djokovic. Number two with seven. He's tied Nadal. with an individual. Uh, Nadal may not have. He may be. Is he five? No, he has. He, he, he does got not. the bulk of his in the French. Right. But. How many does he have at Wimbledon? Do you know? I think just one. Okay. Um, all right. So let's go back a little bit. Uh, Pete Sampras. Tied with Jokovic with seven. Okay. Uh, These next two, you're going to have to go way back. Bjorn Borg. With four. He's number four. Arthur <laughs> you got Ashe. one more. Arthur Ashe. Nope. Um, all right. If you get this one, I will be impressed. Um, I I know some tennis players. Andre Agassi. He's not. He's probably. That's not a good guess, but no, he was my mama's favorite. Um. So I've got Fed, Djokovic, Bjorn Borg, Pete Sampras, uh, Pete Sampras and uh, this, this individual John has, McEnroe. Nope. This fella has two. Oh, two. I bet. <laughs> There's a lot. You tell I mean, me it, the it, fifth place in all-time Wimbledon only have two? And it was – I don't know that you get this because this was back in the 60s. Oh. Oh. Uh, what country is he from? He is from Australia. Yvonne Lindell. I don't – He had don't three idea. Australian Opens. He had two French Opens. He technically had – Four Wimbledons, but two in the Open era, two in the Amateur era, and then two U.S. Opens. Okay, who is it? Rod Laver, L-A-V-E-R. Laver. Rod Laver. I should have known that when you said Australian, because that's their major court. Uh, it's at Rod Laver Arena. You know, there you go. they play the French, the Australian Open. Well, we're gonna stay on Wimbledon, and can you tell me the top five countries? With the most Wimbledon titles. So people representing these countries have won multiple titles. There's top five, and I'll tell you, fifth place is three countries tied with seven. Well, Switzerland, number They've one. they got eight in fourth. All all the Federers. All one by yeah. one individual. <laughs> uh, then uh, Serbia. They're tied in fifth with seven with two other countries. Yeah, that's Djokovic. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'll go ahead and say Spain for Nadal. I know he's only won one, but there's been some good Spanish players. Nope, not in the top five. All right. The United States of America. Second with 33. Um. So who are some? you got three good, left. So I'm trying to think back. Uh, Bjorn Borg, where was he from? Uh, that name like that makes me think it's German, but um, – Scandinavian, I don't know. So you've got the, you're on the uh, right track. So his country is one of the ones tied in fifth with seven. Yeah, I don't know what country he's from. So Bjornborg's country is Sweden. Sweden. Okay, I've never gotten that. So you got one more, you got one more tied for fifth, and then you have the first place country with 37. Oh, uh, 
Good grief. Somebody's got more than the U.S. Uh, it's the only England. Thing, it's the only thing they beat us in, and it's great. England, <laughs> yeah. Because okay. uh, so Andy Murray has not even won a Wimbledon, I don't think. Well, I mean, they, you think about it, they hosted it, so they've, they've, they've got yeah. home court advantage. Right. Home grass advantage. Whatever. You got one more. Uh... I want to try to relate it to players instead of just guessing countries, uh, but I can't really think of. Uh, uh, it's not Spain, Australia, um, France. It is France. They are tied with Serbia and Sweden with seven. All right, let's look up. I know like Gael Monfi. Uh, uh, one of them is Marion Bertoli. Okay. One one in twenty thirteen. Yeah, it's rather new, but let's see. I'm trying to see if there's any other French winners here. Uh, uh Richard Gasquet, Joe yep. Willie Song Joe Willie Tonga. He was good. Yep. He won a he won a Wimbledon. Uh that was I watched that one. Jill Simone. Really uh okay. I got a I've got a trivia question for you. Put your phone down. Quit looking at French tennis players. <laughs> All right. A famous French tennis player was the father of a former Grizzly. Can you name the Grizzly? Oh, man. Oh, I knew this. Uh, hang on. It makes so much sense when you. I know. You, see. All, all I'm thinking of is Costa Cufas, but he's not French. No. Nope. He's Middle Eastern, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. His daddy's name is the professional tennis player. His first name is Yannick. Oh, hang on. You said former Grizz, right? Former Grizz. John yeah. Luer. No. Ah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's white. Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Luer sounds French. Uh, Marc Gasol. Nope, he's Spanish. I don't know. Uh, one, Joakim Noah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I, yeah, I forgot. He, yeah, he was a Grizz for a little while. Joakim Noah. Yep, I saw yep. him play at Florida. Yep. And uh, the other famous, uh, famous French tennis player is one named Nicholas Mahout. Do you know what he's famous for? Mahout? Uh-huh. I don't. So he is uh, one half of the longest Wimbledon match of all time. Oh, yeah? So, you know, in Wimbledon, they used to. They don't do this anymore. Uh, they, If you get to a deciding fifth set, so it's best two out of three sets, uh, and a set is first one to six, win by two. Mm-hmm. So, But if you make it to a fifth set, you don't go to a tiebreaker, but you just keep playing games until somebody wins by two. Mm-hmm. And so at Wimbledon against a American, John Isner from Georgia, Nicholas Mahout and John Isner played a tennis match that lasted 11 hours and five minutes over the course of three days. Jeez. In which the final fifth set Ended at seventy to sixty-eight with John Isner winning. Wow. Yeah. After that, uh, they decided they would do a fifth break, fifth set tie break from that point yeah. forward. 
so, so we don't run into that. That's wild. Yeah. That's all. all right. my... I got two more I'm going to hit you with. Pretty pretty short, sweet ones. Um, okay. College football is right around the corner. We're less than eight weeks out from opening weekend of college football, and I know you're excited. I'm excited. We got a lot of college football content to get to coming up. Uh, but as a warm-up teaser for today, Drew, do you know who had the longest winning streak in college football history? It spanned from 1953 to 1957 at 47 games. What school had the longest winning streak? Nebraska. That's a great guess, but no. 1943. 53 been, and 57. Yeah, that could have been like Wabash Valley. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what was the school that used to be in the SEC? This, that, oh, uh, you think of Swanee? Swanee, yeah. Was it Swanee? <laughs> it was not. It's a powerhouse. It's still a, a competitive team this year or t- today. Alabama. Nope. Georgia. Ohio nope. State. Nope. Starts with an O. Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. 1953-1957, they won 47 consecutive games, a feat that has not been topped, obviously, since then. I bet that Miami team in the late 2000s got close. Came close. I imagine they did. Mm-hmm. All right, this one will cue up our next topic that I want to get into, but uh, who had the longest college football losing streak at 34 games from 1979 to 1982. And if you've been paying attention to the um, news lately, you might have a clue. Northwestern. Northwestern. They lost 34 straight games. And then this week lost their head coach in the midst of some controversy that is interesting because one camp of this former player, for those of you living under a rock, haven't seen this yeah, recently. The, the where everybody. Yeah, yeah. So – Pat Fitzgerald is the head coach there. He's a famous alum, played football there, played in the NFL for a long time, hard-nosed linebacker, good one player. Of the, one of the longest-tenured coaches in all football, I think 17 absolutely. years. Absolutely, been there forever, and has had Northwestern competitive in some years. Now, again, not great overall, but they've had some competitive years. They beat Ohio State, they beat some teams, um, and made some bowl games. They've been a decent team over the years. A former player accused him of – being fully aware of some pretty unsavory hazing practices and involves some sexually compromising positions and acts and different things to the players. This is a family podcast after all. We're not going to get into those details. You can find them on the dark webs if you'd like. But he accused Coach Fitzgerald of being well aware and knowing about these, having a list in his office and knowing what's going on. The vast majority of former players have said that this is not accurate. This guy has a vendetta out for the coach. All that notwithstanding, Apparently, Fitzgerald came out with a statement after, but they had agreed on a suspension per Coach Fitzgerald's statement through his lawyers today. But Northwestern University had a closed-door meeting and decided to go ahead and terminate him. It was an equal decision, but Coach Fitzgerald came out with a statement today and said he was not aware of that, that it was supposed to be a suspension, and then they unilaterally decided to can him. So Coach Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald, is out at Northwestern. After what has been an ugly potential hazing saga, which we all know hazing has been outlawed for a number of years now, Drew. I got hazed in high school. I got taped to a, a chair, spun around until I threw up with a dip in my mouth. We did different things, you know, that we'd haze freshmen when I was in, in high school. Nothing of the nature that was accused here, but I'm curious of your thoughts, man. What have you thought, seen about this ongoing saga at Northwestern? Well, I mean, 
you can gripe about the validity of the rumors or the allegations or whatever. One thing is true. If you get caught hazing and as a coach, there's an allegation of you being made that an allegation made that you're aware of hazing going on within your program, you will get fired. Yep. Especially when the hazing is of sexual nature. Um, We can argue about which side's telling the truth or which side's not. Um, What I'm going to say happened is Northwestern found a way out, possibly, because after the 2020 season in which COVID was here and they played a nine-game schedule as all the Big Ten played, uh, 2021 they went 3-9, and and 2022 they went 1-11. Yeah. And so maybe they found a way to fire him with calls now yeah. and and save a buyout. But I don't know. I always hate I'm, – I'm never going to be the one, especially in today's day and time, that say says that the person making the allegations is a fool because we are now aware of a lot of things that go on, uh, a lot more than what we used to be aware of. Right. Uh, thanks to social media and thanks for everybody having a phone in a pocket, whatnot. Um, however, the the opposite's also true is where if you're going to assume that the person making the allegation is not telling a bold-faced lie, that's going to bite you in the rear sometimes too. Yep. Uh, the truth is normally somewhere in the middle, but if somewhere in the middle is a hazing uh, of a player uh, that – could lean towards a sexual nature, well, then you're going to lose your job. And you probably should. And it's the same thing with all the Joe Paterno stuff, right? If you're the head coach, you are the CEO. You are overseeing all the operations in that building, and you know about what's going on. So if it was going on, he knew about it. If it was a player trying to get revenge, that's one thing. But if it happened in any form – Fitzgerald knew about it, or he's going to be held responsible for it because you are the captain of that ship. That is your kingdom, and you know what's going on in your locker room. And it really only, the only thing that really matters is did he know about it at all in any extent? Uh, it doesn't really matter like how many times it happened. If it happened one right. time and he knew about it and that player wasn't disciplined, then that's enough to, for you to lose that's your enough. job in today's day and time. We can debate yep. whether you should or shouldn't. Uh, that doesn't matter. The fact is, if something like that happens on your program one time and it not be addressed and or or covered or ultimately covered up, you will lose your job. That's right. just the facts. That's just that's this day and time. And it's a different world than it used to be when hazing was much more widely accepted. Good, bad, and different. You can't do it. And if he knew anything about it, like you said, then this is a justification. I think it's going to get ugly. Um, he is lawyered up and is is going to fight this in court. I don't really know how that's going to end other than maybe a buyout or some hush money. I don't think he gets his job back. I think he's fighting for an opportunity to coach in the future because if you get fired for an offense like this, ask Art Browse, it's hard to get a job back. I think yeah. he, he'll probably end up in Nick Saban's rehab program and then get a job somewhere else. But I think that's what this lawsuit is, is him trying to save face so that he can get a job in the future. Well, it's, it's money. You know, there, it, it's about it's I guess it's trying to fire him for cause or not. Uh, yeah. If he they're trying to fire him for cause, then 
he that's why he has an attorney that's right. going to fight it tooth and nail. Yeah. Because I don't know what his contract situation is, uh, but I know that he is only 48 years old, and so uh, he's got a long career ahead of him. And so, yes, I'm sure if he believes that it is false, he's being falsely accused, then that will he will be fighting that as well. But right. ultimately, he's trying to get his buyout money. Yeah. Get a buyout money, get his name cleared, whatever, so that he can get a job in the future. So wish him well, wish the university well. It's going to be an ugly fight as this thing kind of progresses. But I think one thing we can agree on, Drew, is all-star games kind of suck. I'll be honest with you. I watched the last uh, about minute and a half of the home run derby last night. Mm-hmm. Did you see? Uh, uh, did you see Vlad smoke that kid in the outfield? I did. That poor kid. I, I, <laughs> no. It really makes no sense why they've got kids shagging fly balls out there in the home run derby. It's Pete never Alonso, made sense to me. Pete Alonso almost killed one last year as he's dancing at home plate, waiting on him to cart him off. Uh, Vlad hit that kid last night. I sent you the video of uh-huh. uh, the Sonic rings coming out. Of him <laughs> right. He got hit, which was hilarious. But um, other than like the like those side events, the All Star Game kind of sucks, right? The the MLB All Star Game doesn't matter. The NBA All Star Game is just a you know who can score 150 points and dunk all the time. The NFL game is now flag football, which is atrocious. It's not even a game anymore. It's just right. a bunch of you know park games, you know school gym games. But what better sport to have a a, a game like that, an All Star Game, if you will, than professional golf? Like, it's so stiff. It's so prim proper. Got to wear pants. Got to do this. Got to follow the rules. It's very arrogant, and I get that. But why not pick a weekend, go to the waste management out there in Scottsdale, because it's already just a, a, a great event, and let's do a longest drive. Let's do it home run derby style. You give DJ, you give Rory, you give John Rahm, you give Brooks, you know, three minutes on the clock, five minutes, whatever, to tee up as many balls as they can and just hit bombs down the fairway. See who can hit the farthest, who has the most accurate drive. There's so many cool skill competitions you could do with a golf all-star game, a chipping contest, the longest putt. Like, there's so many cool things you can do with it. I don't know why we're not doing this already. I just think that golf has got too many variables in it. Like, you can do a longest putt contest, but what are you going to do, start somebody out at 30 feet and see how many times it takes them to sink it? No, like, like do, do, like, longest drive, like, uh, closest yeah, that, to the pin challenge with a four, five, six, right. two iron, whatever. Like, there's a lot of ways you could do this that would be a good way to showcase skills, other than like you said, lining up a thirty, a forty, a fifty right. foot putt. Right. I'm I'm with it. I mean, I think it'd be fun to go watch them play like a three hole course for an all star game, and yeah. you know, just just little stuff like that where it 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 like outlines the skill it takes with different you know, angles and approaching greens. Cause to me, that's more impressive to me is how you can approach the green. than it is how far you can drive. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, chicks dig the long ball. Some people would want to see those long drives, but I agree. Give them a, a 90 degree, 90 degree, 90 degree in, or, you know, make them only play this hole with the seven iron or eight iron or whatever, and see what kind of skills they truly have with those clubs. Cause those guys are magicians, man. They're playing a different sport than you and I are. Oh, there's no doubt. If you ever think golf's boring, go try to play one time and <laughs> yeah. then watch them play golf. That's it. So. You'll appreciate how good those dudes are. And I, I think that 
in a in a world with boring all-star games, golf could do something really cool, especially now you got this live merger, you got the PGA stuff going on that's going before Congress to see if it'll actually go. You know, who knows what's going to come out of that. But there's a lot of wiggle room now to to make golf fun again and make it spicy right. and do something cool like this is just different. Right. I, I'm with you. Uh, somebody needs to do it right. That's all I'm yeah. going to say, you know. I think one event would be you get to enter like much like the Masters tickets, right? You got 30 guys that are entered, professional golfers, and then 30 average Joes get to go play with them. For like you said, those people who think, oh, golf can't be that hard. You know, it's just a bunch of guys drinking beer and playing golf. To, tr- to see the true disparity that would be between me and the worst golfer on tour or, you know, DJ and your club's champion. To see the true difference between these guys Again, it's not the same sport. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I would like to see like a pros versus Joe's in NASCAR racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm all about. Let That's me get let idea. me get in a souped up automobile and then <laughs> uh, take it for a lap around the track. You wouldn't make it a half lap, man. <laughs> not oh, that I'd I would make either. it the whole way, but I would. They would hate me. <laughs> not everybody else nobody else would make it the whole way but you might <laughs> right right so, um, all right drew um, what else you got for us bud yeah so a couple nba topics number one uh kind of you're curious about your thoughts on the greatest prospect of all time or since the 60s or whatever since lou you know whatever Lou Alcindor. <laughs> we had two small it's a small sample size we had two games two completely different games a hot game, a cold game. We had a first game was just a, a abysmal. He just did not win. But we're talking about Victor Wimbanyama for those of you listening at home. First game was not a great showcase of his skills. He he just looked uncomfortable. Oh, he he didn't move very well. Um, we had a, a a terrible first game. Second game though, twenty seven points, yeah. twelve rebounds, yeah. looked much much better. Yeah, I mean you can't take any player. I don't care what their stature is and drop them into an NBA environment and expect them to be great right then and there. That's what they've done with Wimby. And and it was like the Pope was coming to town when Wimby had his first game in Las Vegas, and he stunk. Yeah. And you know what? I hope nobody changed their expectations based on one game because we have just we've seen this time and time again. There are risks with his game. He is skinny. He's seven foot three and a half. Sure, he handles the ball better than any seven foot three and a half person you have seen. Uh, and he's got a prettier shot than anyone that size that you have seen. And it's all there for him to be an all time great. But that don't mean it's going to be all time great right now. Right. And so he was a 18 year old playing in a French professional league. Let's not forget that. Even yeah. this G League, I mean, the summer league that he's in right now, is these teams are probably better than those professional French teams. Mm-hmm. So give him a minute, let him get his bearings, and not to mention just the psychological limbo that he's in that, you know, trying to, and he seems very mature for his age, or he speaks like he is, and his perspective is very uh, much older of a mindset than what you would expect from your typical 18 year old. Yeah. But I mean, it's like the Beatles coming to America and playing Johnny Carson the first night. And then you've got to be on your game. 
And if you're not, they're ready to to make jokes about you, you know. It's, you know, not to mention you got Britney Spears looking over your shoulder trying to get a picture with you, you know. You never know what's yeah. going to happen. I feel bad for him. That security yeah. guard smacked her and his name is attached to everything. Right. And it wasn't even his security guard. It was a San Antonio Spurs security guard, not Who overreacted. Friend, it was not a Wimby. It was not anybody in Wimbenyama's camp. No. It was a Spurs security guard. They needed to fire him and make him an example to get everybody to quit popping their jokes off about Victor. Yeah, right. It was not his fault. It is not, you know, Brittany was trying to get a picture. She tapped him on the shoulder. It first came out that she grabbed him, which I'm like, woo, that, that doesn't sound good. Then the video came out where it was just a tap on the shoulder, and then she took the people's elbow to the face that ended that, that yeah, request. It wasn't that dramatic, but it was very hard to watch the yeah. Wimbenyama highlights of his first summer league game set to the music of hit me baby one more time <laughs> yeah. because it was brutal. It was yep. brutal. Yeah. Speaking of brutal, man, I don't, I don't know. You've seen this and it's, it's kind of, we've talked about it a little bit, but the NBA is releasing a in season tournament to try and spice up basketball in November. Cause we all know that there is nothing good in November basketball because you got a lot of, you know, rests and deload nights. You got a lot of guys sitting out. And so I appreciate the NBA trying to spice things up. So basically we've got five different pods of teams, five different groups of teams, um, six, three, six, sorry. three on the yeah. East, three on the West and five they've been teams in each. Right. They've been seeded based on how they finished last year. So you'll get some interesting matchups. For instance, the Grizzlies are in Group A with Phoenix, the Lakers, Utah, and Portland. Group B is Denver, the Clippers, Pelicans, Mavs, and Rockets. Group C, <clears throat> Kings, Warriors, Thunders, Wolves, and Spurs. And so that's basically, a group, that's a hard group. <clears throat> that's a tough group. In the Eastern Conference, 76ers, Cavs, Hawks, Pacers, Pistons. Bucks, Knicks, Heat, Wizards, Hornets, which is interesting. And then the Celtics, Nets, Raptors, Bulls, and Magic. And so what's going to happen is every Tuesday and Friday night in November are going to be playoff nights. And so you will know there's no confusion. <clears throat> every Tuesday, Friday night in November, then the final four teams are going to converge on Vegas in early December to play the semifinals and then the championship game. So up to that point, up to the championship game, all games will count for the regular season. So it'll count towards your playoffs. So there is some 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 skin in the game. Also, all players on the winning team will get a $500,000 bonus, which, you know, big deal. Great for them. Some of those people, that's chump change. But two-thirds of that roster, that's going to be good that's money. That's good money, yeah. That's good money for two-thirds of in the roster. In a league in which the superstars make 50% of your cap. There's yep. a lot of people at the end of the bench that could really use the $500,000. It's going to be a great it's going to be great for the Jake Laravias and those guys of the world for David Roddy's on rookie contracts for sure. But other than that, there's not a lot of reason to get excited about it. I think there is potential there and I think it's an evolving situation, but I, I do appreciate the NBA's attempt to make November basketball matter. Oh, I love it. I mean, the greatest time of college basketball is a tournament. Mm -hmm. The greatest time of any sport is when you've got a bracket, a tournament, yeah. something to play for. Yeah. They play 82 regular season games, and one game of the 82 is no different than the 19th or the 27th or the 53rd game in of 82. And so 
yeah, give it meaning. Divisions don't matter anymore. So then it heightens matchups. Right, read the Grizzlies schedule off again. Lakers, yeah. um, Lakers, we got Jazz, the Lakers, we Portland. got the Suns, we got the Jazz, we got Portland. And we've got the first two games. The first two games are uh, Memphis, Phoenix, Memphis, Utah. I mean, that's two, yeah. two good games to start the tournament with. That's right. And so you don't have divisions anymore. So now you've got a five-team pod and that you're competing with for this in-season tournament. And I'm not the guy that's going to, you know, pound the drum for the in-season tournament saying that it's drastically elevates the NBA as a product or that it's groundbreaking, but it's fun. Yeah. Like, if nothing else, it's fun. So, yeah, so you're going to get uh, – there's six teams. that it, There's going to be a winner in each pod, and you have two wild-card teams. They're going to play a first-round matchup, and the final four go play in Vegas. It's yeah. fun. Like, and think oh, about that, blast. Drew. We're going to get like a late November, early December weekend of basketball. It'll be a Friday, Saturday. So you'll have college football in the morning. You'll have NBA in-season tournament right. in the afternoon. You'll have uh, uh, NFL on Sunday. And so I was listening to the mismatch with uh, Chris Vernon. They were talking about like, can you imagine going out there for that weekend? Right. You're there right. for the whole weekend. You're there Friday night. You see the semifinals, Saturday, the championship games, whatever. Then you're there on Sunday enjoying betting and NFL football in Vegas. Like, yeah. what better weekend for reporters and media personalities than early, late December, early December, late November to go to Vegas? Yeah, it's the thing. It's like, so the only downside, I guess, is that the championship game will be on a Saturday in November, which is like the pinnacle college football you know right but that's a that's, i'm curious how they're going to make it matter because like it matters to players for 500k but you know what does the championship do you know you're playing for a trophy like yeah you get a cool trophy you know some teams eventually going to win the the inaugural or win a nba in season and then win their conference and win the finals like that'll happen right. at some point i'm sure but like how can we make that championship game matter? You know, the Major League Baseball used to do the winner of the, you know, the, the all-star game had home field advantage in the World Series, and everybody hated that. But No, you can't do that. What's a way that – what's you got any ideas on how they can incentivize, that, incentivize winning that championship? I mean, I don't know. No, I think I think awarding home field advantage in, a, uh, in the NBA title – in the NBA finals is ludicrous. You know, like we found was ludicrous in the world series. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of maybe a second round pick or, but you know, you've got to figure out a way. I think it's cool. I think players will think it's cool. Um, I'm curious. I just kind of want to feel it out first for a year or two and just yeah. see what, what it feels like, because I want players to care about it. And That's what I'm saying. Obviously, I, I want fans to care, care about it, but but I care for the fa from a fan's perspective. I care for 82 games as it is. You just increased the entertainment yeah. quality for you know a few of my 82 games. I'm going to watch one way or the other. I think it's so. a great first step, 100%. And then yeah, I like the idea of maybe a draft pick. You get the 31st pick, you get the first pick in the second round as a way to incentivize teams to win. I think the players are buying in just because they are competitive, but you know, it's the second month of the season. It's early in the season. You know, I'm sure you'll get some guys that'll rest, but right. I think it's a great first step in getting November basketball to matter a little bit more. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I like it. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I am too. I'm going to watch it. I'll, I'll watch all the games uh, yeah. on Tuesdays and Fridays in November. I will not be missing those. I think that'd be great. Right. right. Last couple of topics here. We'll kind of wind down with the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star. We kind of talked about that already a little bit. You know, I don't – you said you watched the last minute and a half. I watched a lot more of the the Home Run Derby last night. It's probably – I really don't care for, like, the Celebrity All-Star or softball game. I don't watch much of the game, actually, the All-Star game. But the Home Run Derby I've enjoyed – I don't know that I care for the new format. It feels like a cardio session, and we don't get to admire the 500-foot bombs or the 400-and-something-foot home runs that we get to see. Because the current format, you get three minutes. You can take a break. Most players are taking about a minute and a half, and it's just pitch after pitch after pitch after no, pitch. they need to go back to the way it go was. Go back to the old ten outs. I was just about to say. Give yeah. them 10 outs. If you want to make it 15, sure, go ahead. That's fine. But give them outs that they get out. So if you don't hit a home run, it counts against you. Because then you don't get, like, last night we had 41 home runs in a round. The previous record back in the old format was 28 in a round, which is Josh, super impressive. Uh, Josh uh, Hamilton at Hamilton, Old Yankee yeah. in 07. Um, this was between his cocaine bouts. He hit 28 home runs in one round. And, I mean, that was impressive with you get 10 outs to hit 28. I mean, but last night, they were just like, it was just hack after hack after hack. Right. Kids were taking dives in the outfield, taking balls to the dome. I don't love the new format. Yeah. I don't either. This has been this way for a few years now. And I'm just, it's kind of like the NBA dunk contest. I don't really care anymore. Uh, MLB's got a bigger problem. I've talked about a hundred times on here that I don't know any of these players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, as a Cardinals fan, I knew a Randy, a Rosarena. They didn't bring back good memories because we traded him for nothing. Yep. Uh, he it was cool to see there. Vlad Jr. win one last night after his father won one a number of years ago, but his dad won with a total of like 30 home runs, and he had 30 home runs in a round. Right. So, yeah. uh, I mean – I don't know. I can't. I can't tell you how to fix it. I just know it's broken. He's going and back to the I old don't, I don't and then really stop blacking out games like we've talked about. Right. Right. So. All right, but Rusty. The only other good thing about the All Star Game, last couple things, is the jerseys. I am a fan of the jerseys. I thought they looked awesome. Um, uh, if you say so. Oh, you don't like <laughs> I haven't seen them. Cool. I haven't seen them. Digital uh, camo, kind of like the the tribute oh, to the Mariners it, colors. It, digital camo, I'm out, all the way out, just blanketly out on digital yeah. camo. Mm. So I don't need to see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, look them up if you haven't seen them. I was a fan. I liked them. Uh, I think they look pretty sharp. Kind of a, a, a tip of the cap to the Mariners, but. Um, yeah, man, the last thing I got, little nugget for you, the Major League Baseball draft was this week. We had the first time in history two teammates went back-to-back, first overall, second overall, and Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz, a little factoid for you. Dylan Cruz hit his first career home run off of Paul Skeens when he was at Air Force. And then the last thing I got for you is for the sixth consecutive year, the New York Mets selected a player from Mississippi State University. They have drafted a Mississippi State Bulldog in six consecutive drafts. They took Kellum Clark tonight in the sixth round uh, overall, but they've taken the likes of Jake Mangum, the mayor of Oxford in the past, and they continue that tradition today with picking Kellum Clark. So that was well, an interesting maybe, fact. Maybe the sixth one will work out better than the previous five bumps that they've drafted. <laughs> hey, Mangum's working his way up. Yeah. Four years later, he's still on his way up. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, so we had Jake Mangum, Cole Gordon in 19, JT Ginn in 20, Rowdy Jordan 21, um, 22 is um, Jet Williams, 23, um, Kellum Clark. They all bums. Mm. 
you could say they were great bulldogs. Great bulldogs, but they're they had terrible they had Mets. Out of the, and the Mets are a poverty and franchise. You wonder why the Mets are a poverty franchise. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So. That's all I got for you tonight, buddy. You got anything else you want to cover? That's it. I got to go get my daughter from a play of Moana Jr. at the local theater. So I'm going to ski daddle and run and pick up my little, uh, oh, what did, what is her role? She is a, uh, she is the, uh, a Maui, uh, somebody with Maui. I forget what Ooh, they called nice. her, but she, she gets to make a warrior face and that's her big claim to fame. So mm. I got to go pick her up. And so, uh, buckets, I've enjoyed it. Tell the folks where they can get us at. We'll see you guys again next week. Yes, sir. So, at Two Buck Sports Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Two Buck Sports Podcast on Facebook. We're on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are coming to you a day early because I'm going to be at the Need to Breathe concert tomorrow night at House of Blues for all of our listeners at home. Make sure that you are jealous, especially Drew. Cannot wait to see him again. Saw him a couple years ago in Charleston. This time I'm in the House of Blues, which will be a much smaller venue. It's going to be a fantastic time, and I cannot wait. Don't miss me too much tomorrow night, Drew. Have a good week, bud. Have a good time. Hi, guys. See y'all next week. See ya.